Thanks again for coming, for braving the cold and the flu season and all the other hundred excuses that could have entered into your mind. It is great to have you here on this first Sunday of a brand new year. Uh, There's something great about the new year. It's often, at least in my heart and in our family, a time of both reflection and projection. I don't know if you took any time over these last couple of weeks to reflect upon 2017, all the good things that happened, all the things that you were thankful for, all the things that you were blessed with, um, and just kind of reflect on that year, as well as hopefully take the opportunity to project 2018. What's going to happen? What am I going to change this year? What does God have for me in this coming year? Hopefully you took some time to do that. That's always important and always a great thing for us to step back and take some silence and take some opportunity to allow God to reveal those things to us. Anybody here make any New Year's resolutions? Raise your hand up really, really high. Uh, Like three of you. Awesome. Just out of curiosity, anybody willing to share? What do you think are some of the main New Year's resolutions that people make? We'll keep it a little bit more obscure, not necessarily super personal, but what do you think the number one resolution is? Exercise and lose weight. That is exactly Right. Anybody, those thoughts enter into their mind. Uh, you can admit that like I, it did for mine. Okay, good. Uh, that was definitely number one on anybody's list of the research that I did. Personal betterment, having more energy, uh, eating better, losing weight, taking care of yourself. Absolutely. All right. What else do you think are some of the number, the ones at the top of the list here for New Year's resolutions? Certainly some were in the area of to quit smoking or drinking or other unhealthy habits and Cut back on those things. Those were at the top. Uh, How about this? In the financial realm, a lot of New Year's resolutions centered around the idea of spending less and saving more. Um, That was always at the top of the list. Another one that's always up there is more time with, uh, with friends and family. Not as much stress at work and that sort of thing. Taking more time for the important things. Well, we know that there's a lot of things in our lives that can change, and um, this Sunday uh, is a great opportunity for us to dive into God's Word, and we're really going to have a challenge, something that can happen for us for the entire year as we dive back into the book of Acts chapter 2. So I invite you to turn there, Acts chapter 2, we're going to be in uh, verses 42 through 47. It's our second part in the series that's tackling this chunk of verses. Now, It's interesting when we talk about resolutions, we all know that the vast majority of people do not keep their resolutions more than three or four weeks. Maybe some of you, the reason you didn't raise your hand, like, yeah, you know what, the whole resolution thing, I've kind of just resigned to that a little bit because I know that it's probably not going to work. And for the vast majority of Americans and and people in general, uh, it can kind of be an exercise of futility. And many of us have just said, you know what, I'm not even going to bother because it's not going to work. It's one thing to have a mental plan and even have a verbal statement, but it's another thing to take actual small steps and to access the power to make it happen. Those of you that have been successful in creating um, resolutions and new habits and made improvements in your life, maybe in some of these areas that we've mentioned, if I were to sit down with you and ask you, what was the difference? Why did it work? Most likely what you would say to me is that I made it small, accessible steps and I brought somebody else in on the journey. That's a huge point for us. 
here this morning as we are diving into Acts chapter 2. We need other people to help us out. We want to make some changes to do it individualistic and to make some statement without bringing somebody else in on the journey. Most likely you're headed for failure, right? That's why with many of these gyms, they offer classes, they offer coaches, they offer informal uh, groupings of people that you can meet to help keep you accountable. What we're going to be diving into here this morning is uh, the idea of being devoted. And as we look at this early church, the church that God wanted, the church that God designed, the church that made an incredible difference, we see that word is there that they were devoted. And they weren't devoted on an individual level, just all by themselves. We see amongst this early church, this aura, this, um, this unity, and they were devoted together in this community to see God do some great things. So let's just go ahead and read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Let's just read this. Let's focus on this. And let's really open up our hearts and minds to see what God's church should look like. It says, and they, here's the word, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking the bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Sometimes I wonder if all we had was scripture and if all we had was the book of Acts. We didn't have our experience. We didn't have our participation in other churches. We didn't know anything about this. How much different would our perspective be as to what church should look like than what it is now in America? You ever think about that when you read through a passage like this and you see this idea of togetherness and unity and all of them. Notice in verse 43, I love this, it says, And awe came upon every soul. And that word awe is very unique. It's the Greek word for fear. Not like in the sense of being frightened, like on Halloween or something like that, but more this reverent, incredible, awesome reaction that's humble in recognition of the power that God's people and God's presence produces. And I wonder sometimes as we look across the landscape of America, if God is looking down, I wonder what would it look like for him to look down upon a church and says, yep, those people are filled with that same awe. Those people are filled with that same wonder, that same expectation, that reverence. They feel that power when they get together. I wonder what that would have looked like if you and I were a part of this gathering here in Acts chapter 2. I wonder how much different it would have looked. Remember, this is 
120 people that had been gathering and had been waiting. Earlier on in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came down in an incredible display. And it says in verse 41, those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So they had had an ex- a huge explosion. We wouldn't even be able to handle that here at Northwest. What if that happened though? It's crazy to think about. So this church absolutely exploded, and yet, verses 42 through 47, you get the idea that even so, even these brand new believers that had just stepped forth in faith, they didn't necessarily go through a membership class, they didn't necessarily have a manual, but yet they all seemed to have this same heartbeat together, that we've got this sense of awe, we've got this sense of reverence, we've got this purpose, and we've got this heartbeat to be together. So what I want to bring to you here this morning is the idea of being devoted, because that's part of the commitment level, that's part of how we see change, we have to be devoted, but it's to two certain things, and it involves devoted to gathering to love each other and being devoted to gathering to love God's word. Those are the two characteristics that we want to focus on and talk about here this morning. If you are taking notes, the first one, they gathered together to love each other. To love each other. Read again in verse 44. And underline perhaps in your scripture, anytime you see the word all, anytime you see the word together, that idea of gathering. It says this, and all who believe were together and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any of them had need. We imagine this beautiful utopian society where people didn't possess things and there wasn't an individualism like we see today so often and a consumerism, but rather an attitude that something was given to me for the good of you. In plugging through this, kind of came up with this quote that I think is really good for us to think about as we ponder being devoted to this gathering together. Think about this idea of the church, okay? Think about this. The church is a radical antidote for loneliness and materialism. Think about that for a second, all right? When you think about an antidote, you think about you need an antidote for something that's wrong, for a disease, for an ailment, for um, you know, something that is hindering you. Right, And when you think about the true, sincere, original nature of the church, what God intended it to be, it truly is an antidote, a radical antidote for these two things, loneliness and materialism. You see the opposite of that in this beautiful passage of scripture. Let's take that first one, that idea of loneliness. It's amazing to me how much we're seeing, unfortunately, the rise of individualism and, in essence, what that trickles down to is an isolationism and a solitude and a loneliness in the lives of Christians today. There's been so many technological advances as far as, you know, 
online churches and videos and um, pastors on podcasts and everything else has been so whittled down so that we can enjoy an individual experience that amongst many, the attitude is, why do I even need to go to a church on a Sunday morning? The trends that you read about all throughout um, Christianity, they all say that this is true. It's harder and harder to get the same group of people committed and making a priority to gather together in a corporate setting like this. Because if you really think about it, well, I can watch the message, I can listen to the message, I can give online. It's cold outside. It's a beautiful day, you know, six months from now. What really is the purpose and the joy of gathering together corporately like this when I can just experience an individualistic service and still hear from God, still give my tithe? That's the philosophy that's prominent. And I recognize fully here this morning that I'm in essence preaching to the choir because you guys are the ones that are here, thank you. But this idea of individualism and this value of getting with God's people, eyeball to eyeball, shaking their hand, giving them a hug, corporately raising our voices together in worship and in prayer, this sense of awe has been whittled away in our culture. And you notice over and over and over again, it says they were devoted to that. They were devoted to being together. They weren't gonna let things keep them from being together. They loved it. Notice it says day after day after day. There was something about sharing life in a person-to-person, human-to-human relationship corporately that was special. And I want to challenge you here this morning afresh and anew. Are we devoted to gathering so that we can love each other? This whole idea of uh, the second part, the materialism, this whole idea of sharing and nobody owning something and kind of having a communal thing, this wasn't necessarily new. This wasn't new to Acts chapter 2. This isn't the first time that this happened. Perhaps some of you who are biblical scholars will remember the Qumran community, uh, a group called the Essenes, who um, were a Jewish sect and they are the ones that, you know, were the scribes that, where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls and all of that. They had this type of community long before Acts chapter 2, where nothing belonged to them. They shared everything. But here's the big difference, guys. They were required to do that as part of their ritualistic laws. In other words, to own something was bad. Uh, The good of everyone was priority. And so you were required to be a part of this community, to be holy. You had to give everything over. And that was just part of the law to get into this community. And the big difference is in Acts chapter 2, it's not saying you can't own things. It's not saying God can't bless certain people differently than others and entrust certain people with more resources than others. But what you see in Acts chapter 2 is there's a freedom and a joy that comes saying, this is my expression of love to the church and to the community. Even in the Old Testament, right, uh, there were laws set up for God's people about you need to give this amount for a tithe. You need to give this amount to the temple. 
You need to leave this amount of your field. You know, you still need to leave the grain and, and everything else there at the corner of the field so that widows and poor people can go and gather and you can share. But those were part of the law. The difference is in the church, we've got freedom and joy to share and to give with generosity. That's the kind of church that we want to be. That's the kind of church that you see here in Acts chapter 2. It's the antidote for individualism and for materialism. Loving each other, sharing with each other, and a commitment to be together so that you can even know what those needs are. I'm curious, and you need to know that one of the things I love the most about this church, after being in three different ministries full-time, for the first one I was in was part-time. But I don't know that I've ever seen a community of people or been involved in a community of people like this one. People that genuinely love each other and will step up, will serve, will love, will take care of each other. But we need to do that more and more and more. And as new people come in, they need to feel that heartbeat and understand that culture. But if we're not committed to the gathering together, how are we really even going to know some of those needs? I don't know how many of you guys know this or not, but this last week was a very difficult week for one of our families. Um, Show this first picture here. This is the Pasteris family. Notice what it says right here, 2018. This was New Year's Eve, okay? So just this last Sunday night. So this was a picture that was taken on New Year's Eve. And they were together, they were having a great time, and a matter of a few hours after this picture was taken, tragedy struck. They heard a pounding at the window, a pounding at the door. The neighbors were there at 1.30 in the morning saying, your house is on fire, This is right here in town, people from our church. An incredible inferno at 1.30 in the morning. Panic struck everybody. They had relatives in town. Everybody was yelling and screaming, making sure all the kids were accounted for, get everybody out of the house in the freezing temperatures. They were missing one of their children. The firemen were there and against orders went back into the house to wake up the last child to bring him out. And it all ended at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. All of this happened to one of our families this past week. You never know when tragedy is going to strike. Thankfully, nobody was too injured. One of the extended families had some burns on their arm as they tried to put out this fire before it got too far. But tragedy strikes. Things happen. And as we enter into people's lives, we need to be ready to step up and step in and assist, and help. Insurance covered things. Physically, is there much help that we could do? Possibly. But emotionally and spiritually, just imagine if this was your house, the fear that you would have, what could have been, the questions. It's going to be vitally important for us to continue to come alongside this family, to pray with them, to rejoice with them on the grace of God that nobody was severely hurt when you think about what could have been. But it's stepping up with each other, embracing one another. And I wrote down a couple of 
statements that I would love and our team would love to be true as a mantra of us. If we want to be this kind of Acts chapter 2 church, I just wrote down a couple statements. I will not let one of our members hurt without hurting with them. Are you ready for that challenge in the new year? The people that you know, the people that are suffering, the people that are afraid, the people that are broken. What if we stood up as a church and said, I'm not going to let somebody hurt unless I'm standing next to them and I'm going to share some of that load. What about this one? I will not let one of our body go without if I have plenty. Think about a retreat next weekend and maybe there's some families that they don't have the means. What if we were the kind of people that said, what God has given to me is good for all and if there's somebody that's going without and I have I want to help. What about this one? I will not let my love of someone within our body go unspoken and unacted upon. People make fun of me, I think, a lot because I'm like, love you, man. And I hope that didn't come across as trite. But I want people to know if I love them, if I care about them, I want them to know that. I don't want that to go unspoken or unacted upon. And I think about the Apostle Paul over and over in Scripture. He continually said how he loved people, how he cared for people, how he wept for people. It's not individualistic. It's communal. We are a body and we need to be committed to gathering for that purpose, to love each other. Point number two, we want to be committed to gathering to love the word. To love the word. To love scripture. I love in this passage right here, number one in verse 42, it says, and they, that is all 3,120 of them, roughly, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves day after day after day to the word of God, to these guys driven by God, Holy Spirit empowered by God to share deep truths Notice verse 46, day by day, here it is, attending the temple together. That same element of, you know what? We understand that God's word is powerful. These are the words that change our lives. We need to be committed as a group that we're going to sit under God's teaching. We're going to take it seriously and we are going to dive into God's word on our own and in groups, in community so that we can sharpen and encourage and challenge each other. One thing you need to be reminded of, or perhaps you've just been coming for a couple of months, at Northwest Community Church, we are committed to God's word. We believe in exegesis. It's a fancy seminary word versus what we call eisegesis. Exegesis says we study a text, we understand the history of it, what it was meant to the original audience, and we ask God to apply that to our situation. Exegesis. Eisegesis means we come up with some idea, some concept, something that sounds good, and then we take some random passage, potentially out of context, and apply that to make our idea work. You need to know that there's a lot of churches that would land on the eisegesis 
side of things. You need to recognize that at Northwest, we're going to dive into God's word. We're going to understand it fully and let the truth come from that. And that's a reason why we need to be dedicated to coming together because we want to be a people that love God's word. A couple of passages of scripture here by just way of reminder of why it's so important. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. Remember, all the awe and all the reverence was people coming because these are the speakers for God. These are the apostles. This is Peter. This is John. These are these great men. They're breathing on us God's word because it wasn't written yet. But for us, now we have this context. And all scripture is breathed by God and is so profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. If we want to be the church, kind of church that God wants us to be, we need to be equipped. We need to be ready. And that's going to come from spending time in God's word. Check out this next passage from uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. For no prophecy or no scripture was ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And this is an incredible concept. This idea of being carried along is the imagery of a ship that is being blown by a strong wind. And when we think about Scripture and this idea of inspiration, how we know it's true, this is the picture that Peter gives us. That these were men using their own personalities, using their own experiences, and yet they were carried along, blown by the Spirit of God, and directed to write these truths. So as a church, we deeply, deeply desire to be an equipper of you, our body, our community, to be spending time in God's Word. Not just once a week. For the most faithful, the average is really more about 1.8 times a month, even the committed people come to church. Not just that, but helping you understand how to grow and study God's word on your own. One of the things that I just want to take a few minutes to remind you of is these study guides that we've produced. This one right here is available right out at the Welcome Center. They're $5. They were produced by us, and they go right along with this study in Acts. One of the things that we really desired to do when we said, hey, we've never really written anything before. You know, is it, is it worth putting all this energy and research and effort and money into it? And we decided absolutely it is because we want our people to be in God's word and have spiritual conversations in their family. And so we provided this tool for you. There's still five weeks of this one left. Okay, so it's even though you've missed a couple, there's still plenty of time left. And we actually have created even a tool for you to understand how to take God's word and apply it to your life. And I just want to challenge you, even here this morning, first Sunday in the brand new year, I want to challenge some of you to take up that mantle of leadership in your home. Our purpose this morning is not to beat you up, 
for this last year, but it's just a reality that says, man, we want to provide these tools so that you can take up this challenge and say, we want our family to be one that understands how God's word actually works and really changes the world. What I wanted to end with here uh, this morning was just four questions for you to really think about and take inventory about in your world. Remember, the, the way we make change in our life is accessible, small steps, and bringing somebody else alongside to help us. So as we think about this idea in Acts chapter 2 of being devoted to gathering together, making this something that we really have at the forefront of our minds, I wanted to end with these four questions for you to really think about. First one is this. Number one, how big of a priority is getting together with God's people? Are you committed enough to actually know what their needs are? And are you committed enough that they can find out what your needs are? I think about that illustration with, with my friend German and this everything that happened. Who would you have called at 1.30 in the morning? Who are your 1.30 in the morning friends? Unfortunately for a lot of people, there's not a whole lot that they could say, man, I'd gladly call that person. We want to be the kind of community where you've got five or ten of them that would show up in a second. What kind of a priority? Where's that in your family's life? Something good to think about. Number two, in the realm of spiritual nourishment and satisfaction, is a message on Sunday really enough? And are you really even digesting what we talk about? And man, let me just throw in a little side plug here that the reason we've got our life groups set up the way we do is to answer this question. Is a message on Sunday enough? One meal a week? Absolutely not. You have the greatest Bible teacher in the world, and if that's all you sat under just once a week, you still would be malnourished. That's the beauty of getting involved in a life group where you can gather with a group of people and you can talk about the application of the text that was given or the application of what you're studying on your own. I just want to end with these two final questions that you've heard before if you're a part of a life group because they're kind of some common language that we use and we want you to use and think about even here this morning. And they're this. What is God saying to you through this? As you think about this passage, think about that dedication, think about that devotion, think about that sharing, think about that commitment, think about that digesting and taking in and being committed to God's word. What is God saying to you personally? And for a lot of people, that's something that we could talk quite a bit about, right? In the life groups that I've been a part of, people would love to talk about, man, well, God's teaching me this, and man, I really grabbed that, or man, I loved it when, you know, this part of the passage, or any of that stuff. We can throw that out pretty freely, right? But question number four is the difficult one. Okay, so what are you going to to do about it. What are you going to do about it? Man, in the book of Acts, one of the things that we see is we see action. 
It's not the thoughts of the apostles. It's not the conversations, the insights, the feedback from the apostles. It's the acts of the apostles. And this needs to be a church that is not just talking about things, but is actually doing things. Amen? So that's why that question number four is most vital for us and for your family. What are you going to do about it? I don't know where any of this lands on you here uh, this morning, but I just want to end as our band begins to come out with going over verse 47 one more time. After we see this dedication, this commitment to loving each other, to loving God's word, to loving the teaching, what do we see happening in verse 47? Here's what the people are doing. They were praising God and they were having favor with all of the people. There was something about this early community that was so revolutionary that it caused other people in the world to take notice People that weren't part of this community yet, they recognize, man, these Christians, this Jesus uh, movement, these Jesus followers, they are way different. And there's something attractive about that. And what happens at the end? Verse 47, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Wouldn't that be an incredible gift and challenge for us is a year from now if we looked back on the beginning of 2018 said man we talked about this and we wanted to be this kind of people and man look at the people that God has added to our church not just shimmying over from XYZ church but people that were living in darkness experienced Jesus and now are a part of the community that's what we're going to be praying for And that's who we want to be as we strive to be devoted to these things. Amen? Amen? Let's stand up together. Let me pray for us, God. We thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you have empowered us to do these difficult things. Lord, you've not led us on our own, but Lord, you have created church as your idea of how to change the world and turn it upside down. So, Lord, I pray even right now at this very moment that you would begin on an individualistic level. Lord, that you would change each one of our hearts, that you would allow us to process these truths and to observe the way this early church was and to make a commitment before you that we individually want to lead the way and be that kind of person. And God, even in doing that, that collectively, as one person, this church would rise up And God, that we would be the kind of church that would be so attractive to the world because it's so different than what they know. So we love you, Lord, and we thank you for this passage, and we thank you for this church. And lead us, God, as we look to praise you continually, just like this early church did. So God, we want to sing this song of praise and worship to you and lift your name on high as we close. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.